Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. Mm. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Welcome back to the Dominion Podcast, episode number 53. Happy to be here. Happy to be Up here, the too. Upper 40 Studio. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, how was dinner? It was good. We yeah. had a... <laughs> A kind gentleman welcome us into his home. <laughs> I don't get to invite people over for dinner often, and I had the opportunity, so, uh, you know, it's nice. We had some sausages and corn. It was delicious. Some steak? Some steak, You left yeah. that out? Uh, well, yeah, you know. I didn't want people to think we're, like, decadent or anything like that. Yeah, but we are. <laughs> Secretly decadent. People might not know this about you, but you were a cook. Yeah, I feel like I've kind of done everything, you know, yeah. at this point, you know. Too many things. <laughs> Too many things. <laughs> I was not a chef. I was a cook. There's a difference. Yeah. I made less money and didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome back. We're happy to be here. We got a special guest tonight. I'm going to let uh, Alex do a little introduction, but uh, this is two weeks in a row. Uh, John MacArthur's back with us. <laughs> oh, wait. Sorry. No, that's next week. I keep getting this mixed up. I keep getting it mixed up. <laughs> Jacob Rayom is with us here tonight. So, why don't you uh, why don't you give uh, him a little introduction? Yeah, we are happy to have Pastor Jacob Rayom with us. A lot of our listeners will know him, and uh, he is for those who don't the senior pastor at Trinity Bible Chapel in Waterloo, Ontario. He is um, has been over the course of the last few years, and I'm assuming before that. Uh, one of the leading pastoral advocates for the Lordship of Christ and the worship of the Church. Um, this is something, uh, you know, if you have been under a rock for the two years, these are doctrines and, um, you know, practices that have been in a uh, little rusty. The church has been rusty on, and um, he's really helped bring clarity. He and his church have faced some of the most intense persecution mm-hmm. and opposition for their fidelity to Christ uh, through the COVID era. Um, I think if Jacob had a nickel for every fine he had, he'd have a lot of money. He might be able to pay all of his fines. <laughs> <laughs> but but in all seriousness, Jacob, Pastor Jacob, has really helped us to think through a lot of important topics. He has a really good yes. blog on the Trinity Church um, website, and you can go there. A lot of Christians in Ontario and even in Canada have have gone to the church and the website and listened to sermons to just have clarity, biblical clarity, in, in a very confusing uh, and difficult time. Yeah. And um, and more importantly, I think what I've appreciated about Jacob as someone who, who didn't know him personally uh, before this, just committed to modeling, practicing what he preaches. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been the big discouragement over the last couple of years is that, um, you know, guys who who's literally like a foundation of their ministry is the nature of the local church and the need to gather. And then, you know, COVID hits and they don't believe any of this stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. So Jacob and his, and his church have, uh, you know, really modeled a costly discipleship and that's been really encouraging. And, uh, yeah, so we're thankful to have you on brother and, and, yeah, um, thanks for being here. Thanks so much for joining us. Grateful to be here guys. Thanks for the invitation. 
So I had a question before we get into uh, the other stuff. How how are you and the church doing? I mean, what's it like to do ministry when you're not in front of the firing line? <laughs> is it <laughs> is it kind of boring now or what? It's it's actually it's <laughs> what is it like? Um, <laughs> it, it just feels it, it feels like a vacation almost, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, but in all seriousness, it's it's the most fruitful season of ministry I've yeah. ever had. Everything pulling out of uh, the most intense part of our persecution yeah. um, was, I guess, winter, so January of 2021 and then April of 2021. And then once we pulled out of that, yeah. I think I've I've never seen this much fruit. And so there's a there's a massive amount of added responsibility. Sure. And as far as the number of people and to disciple and many people um, uh, where they're starting at is basically square one. And we want to make sure that uh, we're faithful to uh, properly teach them the word of God and see to it that they're transformed in the image of Christ, which Mm -hmm. is what our goal is as pastors, isn't Mm -hmm. it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, amen. Well, we're so thankful um, for the ministry at Trinity and and uh, we will definitely continue to pray for that, this this different season, but full of other responsibilities as well. Yeah. It's great seeing those baptism videos go up. There was some yeah. really beautiful ones. Uh, yeah. Some great testimonies of, of people who've come to know the Lord as a result of that. There's a few that have been, there's a couple that have been made public, but there's, I mean, baptisms are now a, a regular occurrence. There were wow. a couple months there where we just had four, we had at least four baptisms every Sunday, and yeah. now we're... Having you know, every few weeks now, there's the tanks full again. So it's Excellent. and all of it. It's amazing because a lot of it is dating back to that season of of persecution. These yeah. people just started coming to our church then, um, or they heard about us then, and then they came later. Um, but are are they knew someone who was coming then, and then they came even you know even in the last few months, and yeah. and so the the fruitfulness that has come out of that is is quite is something else to behold. Yeah, praise God. Um, we were able to, I passed the pictures along to Jeremy, but Pastor Tim Stevens out in Calgary mm. uh, sent out some pictures and just a testimony, an amazing testimony. And the long story short, we'd like to actually have Tim on um, in July. Maybe he said he could come on. Uh, he went to prison, for those who don't know, uh, for keeping the church open. And he recently preached the funeral of a police officer um, who passed away to basically the whole Calgary Police Department. Um, and I'm assuming including the people who arrested yeah. and jailed him. And it's just Jacob's testimony at Trinity and and Pastor Tim and Pastor Aaron and even in our church and in Westmount. I mean, um, the caricature might be there's just a bunch of anarchists gathering together, but the Lord is is just saving people. He just... See, he's just people are hearing the gospel and yeah. they're believing and they're being baptized and and discipled. And uh, we give we the give interesting Christ. thing about the story of of Pastor Tim that you mentioned is my understanding is the individual who he who he buried I think it was yesterday um, started coming to the church in the fall as a result of hearing about Tim's stand. Yes, mm-hmm. and so and and was brought either to the Lord or back to the Lord as a yes. result of Tim's faithful ministry. So. Had Tim not been faithful during this season, um, he he wouldn't have. This man might not have come to church, and certainly Tim wouldn't have had the opportunity 
as he did, to speak to the Calgary Police Force. I thought I was talking to our, a few of our men in our church about it last night, and it's almost like when King Herod says, "Is this John the Baptist raised from the dead?" Yeah, it's kind of like, yeah. Yeah, that's the, that's kind of the look you'd think when the police yes. chief learned who was preaching the funeral. Seriously, oh. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it's it's an amazing testimony, and it's a reminder. I mean, I I still remember because I had these almost visceral feelings of of supposed reformed evangelical pastors in Ontario um, when Tim was arrested. Uh, literally, as soon as they could, getting on social media to, if not condemn him, then tell everyone that there was no real persecution. Yeah. They wanted to get. Here. They wanted to get ahead of people. Uh, Asking them why yeah, they didn't do that. That's right. And and one of the criticisms that came out about, especially towards Jacob, Jacob's quite, he is, he's very vocal and articulate, was you're being a bad witness. Uh, <laughs> but as as we're seeing, I mean, this is this has provided one of the greatest witnesses in in a biblical sense for the Church of Jesus Christ. It's mm. like, do you believe what you say you believe, or do yeah. you not? I think we forgot that the word in the New Testament for witness is comes from the word martyr right yeah there's a connection there it's not being liked by people yeah it's not being a good witness yeah no you're willing to suffer for for what you believe about jesus christ yeah and if we believe that he is worthy of our worship mm-hmm. then we're willing to pay something for that mm-hmm. and that includes the scorn of men yeah. or the hundreds of thousands of dollars in fines that I've faced and mm-hmm. that our elders have faced and our church has faced are even like a couple of the brothers out West going mm-hmm. to prison for it. Mm-hmm. And that's simply our, our way of saying he suffered for us greatly. How much um, mm-hmm. are we not willing to suffer for him a little? Yeah. And, and that, and that willingness to suffer, to see that in you and the, the brothers out West and other pastors in Ontario, um, as we see in scripture, just really strengthens the church. Yeah. I mean, I've said publicly before, I mean, I whiffed, I whiffed this early on. Um, I was convicted. I knew that I was failing in my duties. I just didn't have the, the doctrine to really support what I was feeling convicted of by the Spirit. And to see um, men like Jacob and men like Aaron and the men at West uh, just rise to the occasion, you know, on God's Word and on the principles of Scripture— um, it just emboldened so many Christians, and that's mm-hmm. that's the way it's supposed to work. Yeah. Um, we see that all throughout the Book of Acts that people are emboldened by the suffering, the faithfulness through mm-hmm. suffering of others. Um, Jacob, one of the things I wanted to talk to you tonight about, and the reason I asked you to come on is that we've been thinking about the recent, um, not only allegations but confirmations of the um, you know, sexual immorality and uh, removal from ministry of Bruxy Cavey. And the reason we've been thinking about that is, to be honest with you, um, I, don't, I don't follow Pastor Dirt. Like, I'm not on Twitter. I, don't, I, I have enough problems in my life as far as life's difficult. And, you know, I have a, a church to shepherd. I don't have time to think about everyone else's problems. Um, but one... Broxy is probably the most well-known pastor, was the most well-known pastor in Canada. Um, And the other reason was just the deafening silence from people you think would have something to say about this. 
And it just got us thinking about the nature of false teaching and the danger that it is to the church. And um, immediately I thought about you because back in 2018, uh, you were you were involved in the public critique and criticism of Bruxy in his ministry, his teaching ministry. And um, so I kind of wanted to get your input as somewhat of, I don't want to say an insider, but someone who has um, thought about these things and, you know, had skin in the game. And I mean, in some ways we're just shut down, uh, you know, ignored, I would say ignored by people who ought to have listened. And now we're seeing, you know, the fruit, the fruit of a ministry that it's, that's, you know, in defiance of God, um, which is people who have been harmed. Mm-hmm. And um, we won't comment. I mean, he was, he was, I believe, arrested and charged. Uh, obviously, that has not, the court case hasn't happened yet. Um, but he did publicly confess uh, to adultery yeah. and sexual sin. And so uh, maybe a little bit of a, of, of a back, I'll give a context to this conversation, Jacob, and then ask you a question to lead into this. Um, Bruxy Cavey, for those who don't know, is probably probably was the most well-known pastor in Canada. Uh, I think he, I think the Meeting House was the largest church. I mean, depending on how you look at the multi-site thing, um, they had many locations. As far as on a Sunday, who has the most eyeballs, it was probably Bruxy, you know, by far. Um, he had a large multi-site church called the Meeting House, and it was known as, in their words, a church for people who aren't into church, right? So he's kind of the... the uh, he, kind of the, this ain't your grandma's church. Yeah, kind of church. yeah. Yeah. He gained notoriety. <laughs> if you've seen him, he's an interesting looking guy yeah. known for his seeker sensitive style, his ability to draw crowds. And as early as I've known about him, I'm 36. I mean, when I was like 20, I remember he was controversial. Um, I had people giving me CDs of his teaching and he was known as to be a controversial teacher at the time. Um, in 2018, Jacob and others called attention to the aberrant teaching of Bruxy. Uh, and this was well documented. We're going to include links to this in our show notes for people who want to um, read for themselves things that Bruxy has publicly taught and uh, responses to that. Um, but Jacob and others spent, you know, hours listening and evaluating his teaching according to scripture. And it was interesting to note, Jacob, in your timeline that actually prominent reformed evangelicals agreed with you, you know, like Chalice was linking your critiques and, you know, people were on board in recognizing that, look, this, this guy doesn't teach, uh, you know, orthodox doctrine. Like a lot of people Mm. might think that he does. Um, if we fast forward, um, TGC Canada organized a series of interviews between Paul Carter and Broxy to hear from the horse's mouth, as it were. And on its own, in isolation, if you don't know anything, I mean, it's good to go listen to someone before you pass judgment, right? To hear what the person actually says. Um, the problem was, I mean, Broxy's teaching has been public and well-known and well-documented for a long time. And... Uh, you know, entering the conversation under the pretense that he deserved a hearing before judgment was a little disingenuous, um, ignorant at best. Um, you can read the interviews 
Uh, they were total softball interviews that began and ended with the biased assumption that Bruxley was simply using different words. Um, this was an intentional. Now that I've listened to these men for a long time, I've realized this is how they act. Uh, it was an intentional, framed, and disingenuous conversation uh, that automatically, almost from the start, ruled out a biblical confrontation, right? So it's like, hey, you use language in a different way, but we're on the same team. Let's talk about that. Interestingly, and to wrap this up, Paul Carter um, preemptively cast judgment before the TGC Canada Council shared their verdict, uh, which was another example in my mind of what the Apostle Paul calls underhanded ways and cunning. Um, he stated unequivocally that Bruxy was not a heretic, just simply an Anabaptist. This put the TGC Canada board in a compromised position, if, as far as I'm concerned, as they would either have to publicly disagree with their delegate in order to uphold scripture or formulate a response that avoided contradicting Carter while simultaneously appearing like they really, really cared about the substance of the doctrines in dispute, um, namely the authority of Scripture and the atonement of Jesus Christ. And they chose in what has become predictable form to cleverly avoid costly conflict while appearing very, very serious. So, if, if as far as I can tell, TGC Canada entered into a disingenuous conversation, intentionally ignored a mountain of specific teaching and concerns raised by a very a, a bunch of faithful men, gave their implicit support to Bruxy as a brother who simply loses different uses different language. Um, all the while, you know, the guy was seducing women in his church, um, as is the mo of false teachers. So. That's kind of the context of what of, of what has happened. And um, you can maybe add to that, Jacob. We can go over some of that. But what was your, if we can start, like what was your, the beginning of your interaction with Bruxy? And uh, what led you to kind of raise the alarm and get involved? Like, why did you do that? I had heard about Bruxy Cavey when I was a Bible college student at Heritage. Right. I did my undergraduate degree there, and they did uh, some type of an event where they advertised him as a speaker. And I remember seeing the poster of him thinking he doesn't look like a, a person that ought to be taken very seriously, just <laughs> by the way he was presenting himself. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> That's one years, way to say it, yeah. years went by, and I <laughs> years went by, and I went down to the United States where I did my seminary degree, and I came back here, and I was meeting with a group of pastors shortly after I came back, um, who was part of the a fellowship that I was part, our church was part of at that point in mm-hmm. time, and his name came up, and some of them were complaining about things that he'd been saying, and so when I went home, I hadn't listened to anything he'd said. I went home, I listened to a sermon of his, and the sermon, lo and behold, the first one I listened to was him saying, talking about a third way mm. for homosexuals. Mm-hmm. So you have the conservative way, you have the liberal way, and then you have the third way. Um, and that was the meeting house way. Well, I knew right away that that was um, a, a denial of the gospel because yeah. there's only one way. Mm-hmm. And so I, I said something from my pulpit, I think that Sunday I was actually preaching on 
uh, on marriage. I was preaching in Genesis 2, I think it was, and so it was. It seemed kind of like a slow pitch. I said something on my pulpit, and and that got back to him very quick. Uh, he contacted the leadership within our fellowship, and it created, uh, I guess, friction because one of the larger churches in our fellowship was in Oakville, right by where his church is. Mm-hmm. So they asked us to remove the quote from the internet, and I did. Our mm-hmm. elders decided to to preserve, um, to try and get along with everyone within the denomination we were part of at that point in time, so we did. Mm. Um, I subsequently met with Bruxy, uh, with another minister within that fellowship. Um, it was a terrible meeting. Bruxy brought several of his men. I had one other uh, pastor with me who I would have considered a friend. And um, Bruxy's men the whole time was basically pressuring me to affirm that Bruxy's not a heretic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't do that. Um, but it was a very uncomfortable meeting. And any questions that were asked that I asked of Bruxy directly, uh, he, he, in a very crafty and sly way, m- attempted to move her, maneuver his way out of them, mm-hmm. which he did. And I, didn't, I wasn't in the position at that time to really uh, pin down too much. A few years went by. Um, I visited the situation again with another pastor. We met with Bruxy in Mississauga. Uh, at, a, at a restaurant there, and Broxy had one of his uh, friends, another pastor with him. There were four of us. That was a bit better of a conversation because the brother I was with um, asked some very good questions. I felt like I had the freedom to ask some questions. I wasn't being pressured to affirm that he's not a heretic. Mm-hmm. And um, But at the same time, he was very slippery in his answers. You couldn't get a direct answer out of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, some more time went by. And I then spoke with the men within our denomination. I said, I'm going to call them out because by that point in time, I'd been praying that someone within our church uh, would do some research on them. I didn't have the capacity at that point. We're getting yeah. our church going and um, had a lot going on. I didn't have the capacity. And so, as you know, Eric Schneider did a, a mammoth amount of research on Bruxy. Mm-hmm. I, I described it as... Uh, um, I guess you could say he he did a deep dive into an outhouse to figure out what was down there. And God bless Eric. <laughs> God bless Eric. There, there's special <laughs> rewards in heaven for Eric. Yeah, amen. <laughs> and and he he let us know what was at the bottom of that septic tank. Yeah, and um, he did come out alive, thankfully. Mm-hmm. And um, and so he produced uh, a lot of stuff. And and then so what I did was I wrote a a blog on it. And it was about his view of scripture, and uh, Charlie's actually linked to that one. So yeah. it got a lot of broad readership. Um, I I did receive blowback again, and there was pressure to remove it and whatnot. But we didn't. We said we're not removing anything this time. This is this is going to stand because it's been going on far too long, and no one's called him out, and he doesn't deserve a free pass for all the terrible things he's been saying. Yeah. A couple more weeks went by, and I wrote another blog, and this time it was on his view of the atonement. Um, and his view of the atonement was 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 terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he said he things like he wanted to convert people away from penal substitutionary atonement. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just dropped it. I dropped it for about a year, and then I came back and wrote an, one more blog about him absolutely being a false teacher. Because even within that year, he denied um, the penal substitutionary view of the atonement again. Mm-hmm. 
um, at least once or two more times, one or two more times I was aware of. Mm-hmm. Charlie's again linked to that one. I think the title of the blog was, Yes, Bruxy Cavey is a False Teacher. Mm-hmm. And then and then things really seemed to escalate um, because TGC at that point, somewhere in there, very shortly got involved. And, um, and so I received, I think it was that fall, so that was the spring, and then in the fall I received contact from Paul Carter telling me that he wanted to write some interviews with Bruxy, and he explained the format to me, and I said to him, I said, Paul, this is not a good idea because you're basically, you know, you're giving him uh, you're giving him a platform on the TGC blog. You're going to legitimize his ministry, and it doesn't sound from what you're telling me that this is going to be a very um, a very critical, critical evaluation of things. And if you would like to see some of the content and have some hard questions, Eric and I would be happy to help you. Well, he didn't he didn't take us up on that, and um, I I just was very I was very disappointed and very put off by the way Paul handled that and mm-hmm. then the way TGC subsequently handled it. And uh, it, there was a lot of back and forth publicly between me and, and TGC and Eric and TGC. And then somewhere in there, I think it was before TGC got involved, I, I met a really good friend named Nate Wright, who you know, Pastor Nate Wright yep. from Crossroads Church in Ingersoll. And he does a podcast on the, the Rebel Alliance and we met and he found out about what I was going through with Bruxy and he, I, I, I reckon Nate to be like a guy that I'm, I was kind of, I had, I was in the battlefield and I was surrounded by, you know, Viet Cong <laughs> and, and Nate jumped out of a helicopter with a, a fresh new M16 and just started yeah. shooting. Yeah. <laughs> and then he shook my hand and introduced himself to me afterwards. <laughs> so <laughs> shout out to Nate. That's Nate. Yeah. Yeah. Big shout out to him. Love him. And, um, and so, uh, but eventually things settled down and, and Paul kept his thing on with TGC and it, and, and what it amounted to with TGC was a big whitewash of Brooks oh, yeah. and Cavey. Yeah. It was. I mean, I, I honestly think that Bruxy's Bruxy's ministry was on life support when Paul when Paul got in, and all his Paul had to do was pinch the hose, yeah. and it would have been over. Mm-hmm. But Paul basically um, breathed resurrection into oh, his yeah. um, uh, his false teaching and into his ministry, and gave him an even bigger uh, platform. And, and Bruxy referenced it multiple times. Look, TGC doesn't think I'm a heretic, so yeah. I'm obviously not a heretic. Yeah. What interest would TGC have in supporting him like I, I don't understand the connection between those two groups he's big and influential well, i think well i think paul's mo was probably he he wanted to influence um Bruxy behind the scenes and he figured he'd play nice with him um publicly and then maybe he'd influence him behind the scenes but that's not a spiritual way of, of looking at things it's not a biblical way i actually wrote a blog in there i didn't name paul in it but it was in reference to what he was doing he wrote a blog called the Seeker Sensitive Movement, and he talked about the failings of the Seeker Sensitive Movement. And I, and when Paul got into this, and I saw what he was doing, I wrote a blog called the Heretic Sensitive Movement, mm-hmm. and basically taking the same ministry of philosophy that ministry philosophy that the Seeker Sensitive Movement took, which was, hey, let's let's play real nice with reprobates and yeah. um, not tell them things that'll hurt their feelings and their pride and maybe they'll come to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And Paul was I believe Paul was doing the same thing with proxy. Let's say let's say real nice things about a wolf and hey maybe he'll come to Jesus and and I'll and I'll win a convert out of this. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so I, I believe, I, I really strongly believe 100% that that's what Paul was doing. And But beyond that, I don't know why the other men in TGC were, were willing to let their names be sullied by being associated with that. But their names were sullied because yeah. they... They didn't. They didn't deal with this in any amount of clarity, um, or any or any way that would have benefited the, the bride of Christ. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I alluded to it in the intro that what was the biggest tell for me. I mean, I, I read the interviews, and I I just kept having the thought, like, why don't you actually ask the question? Like, what what is this? Um, if this guy was a false teacher, I mean, the, the when you're talking, the scripture that comes to my mind is Second Corinthians four two. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with yeah. God's word, um, but by the open statement of the truth, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And the nature mm-hmm. of false teaching is that it's slippery, it's cunning, it's underhanded, it seeks to communicate things and persuade people and influence mm-hmm. them without being accountable for what one says. But the nature of true teaching is that you stand up and are counted, so to speak. You you get up and you say something true, clearly, and you do it as if you are in the sight of God, because you are. And the fact that, you know, when you talk to someone who's a false teacher, um, they're very clever and they're very right. cunning. And to to deal with them in good faith... Uh, is just a, shows like a, an immense amount of gullibility. Yeah, to think that they're they're going to actually deal with you in good faith. Yeah, seeing that they're false teachers. So what what the tell to me was with TGC and the most disappointing part was when Paul Carter preemptively gave judgment because I even read again today that that um, was it Mahaffey and Car and uh, Paul Martin basically outlining what the purpose of these interviews were and that they would as a board reflect on it and, and offer their assessment. Um, the impression I got and what I was waiting for after the third one was, okay, that was a, a dumpster fire, but hopefully the board of men that I, I know some of them, I was taught by some of them. Um, I, uh, you know, respected them. I was expecting for them to come out now and bring some clarity uh, when Paul Carter preemptively wrote his assessment, um, it was entirely inappropriate, and it contradicted the process that they said that they were on. It made the whole thing seem disingenuous, mm. right? It's like, well, he seemed like a bit of a renegade and a cowboy on the whole on a whole team, but they they abated it with, yeah, like they they allowed him to do that, but with their with their very own response, yeah, yeah, so. I mean, fast forward, so basically, um, Jacob's warning and Eric and other men uh, and many pastors who agreed with this, the warning was effectively ignored, um, totally ignored. And you fast forward a couple of years and it comes out that um, Bruxy's ministry is not only uh, full of false teaching, but immorality as well. And... Um, this is something that is actually true of false teachers. Yeah, you don't, I mean, how often do you hear a story of a false teacher who's not wrap, wrapped up in some kind of yeah. sexual immorality? I yeah. Don't, it just, it seems so hand in glove in so many ways. Yeah. Well, the scriptures talk about men who sneak into the households of women whose conscience is is worn down with sin. And um, it just, it's perfectly consistent with someone who's a false teacher to prey upon um, women mm. and to be a slave to their own passions, and uh, 
yeah, I think so it's the, it, go the ahead. nature it's the nature of of their teaching. It, we and I know you would agree with this. I mean, there are men who who teach orthodox theology and sound sermons who fall of course into sexual immorality also. Um, but the the pattern of scripture is that that we are told that there is a a direct correlation between um, people who do teach a false gospel and and are sexually immoral. And I think one of the reasons is, is because the reason they teach false gospels, this is certainly, I have no doubt this is the case with Bruxy. Um, he taught a false gospel because he wanted something from the people that would come and hear it. Yeah. Whether it's, it's money, whether it's fame, whether it's yeah. personal affirmation, whether yeah. it's being a rock star, his, his ministry was very much him, Bruxy centered. Yeah. And, and so essentially when you're when you're at the point where your your greatest longing is to receive something from the people that you're supposed to be ministering to they're just nothing more than tools to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so it, it's not a it's not it's not hard to see a step between seeing them whether they're your piggy bank or they're your ones who stroke your ego there's it's not hard to see a step well how you can right. use them to be your piggy bank or your ego strokers and now you can use them you know, now your church isn't just your piggy bank, it's your big harem. Yeah. And um, and that's kind of how these people operate. Well, Paul says that explicitly in Galatians 4. Um, he says that they, the false teachers, make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. So Paul, you know, circling back to Galatia, painstakingly, have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? I mean... Um, you used to love me, and I, I shared Christ with you, and now you hate me. And one of the big reasons is someone came in and told you what you want to hear, not what you need to hear, and, and flattered you. And really, what they're, all they're doing is using you. Mm. They want you to make much of—they make much of you so that you can make much of them. And that's just—that's just, that's exactly the MO of false teachers, and that's exactly— um, what Jacob's driving at here. Yeah. One of the questions that came to my mind um, as we're thinking about all this is why... So when I was reading the transcripts, for example, of Paul Carter and Bruxy KV at, uh, not Tyndale, um, uh, Wycliffe College, Wycliffe. I think. Yeah. It's interesting to me that they both kind of jokingly reference what I'm assuming is you, uh, call, someone who keeps calling him out as being a heretic, but they say it in order to actually, um, oh, like dismiss the criticism. Yeah, without actually addressing. Without it. actually addressing it, and I thought it's it, it's it's so telling. And I'm like, only in Canada can you walk into a room and say, "Hi, I've been accused of heresy," <laughs> and people will think, "Oh, that means the guy who said it must be in sin." <laughs> it's like, yeah. well. Or maybe heresy is a problem. Like yeah. it's it's when you are acknowledging that there's people who are accusing you of heresy, and the other guy acknowledges that you've been accused of heresy, but you're saying that in order to discredit the person who made the claim. I mean, there's a there's a total moral inversion happening here, right? Because it's, it's not that the Canadian Church is incapable of uh, calling somebody a heretic; they've just abandoned the biblical. Uh, basis for it. Yeah. So there's plenty of ways you can get called a heretic by other Christians or by the culture. Yeah. Right. You just try and tell them what a woman is. There's, or... there's a weakness. There's a weakness in the church. Yeah. Right? And I think, I don't know if this is the only reason, but I've, I've been in some circles um, in this part of the country and, 
And it seems to me that what happened in the 30s and 40s uh, with uh, Dr. T.T. Shields is so blown up as far as some of his antics. And he, and he was such a profitable person. We're, such, we're, we're heirs of so much of the good that he did. But mm-hmm. some have really made much of what they perceive of his shortcomings, mm-hmm. um, which would be a level of bombastic you know, personality and so on, mm-hmm. that they are afraid to wade into any controversy at all, lest... And so it's almost like the church's ministers have gone to the opposite extreme now. Here mm-hmm. we are two or three generations removed from that. So, mm-hmm. But that is one thing that I have heard again and again. Oh, we can't be like Shields. Well, yeah. there were some good things that Shields did. And, yeah. Um, so the what I wonder is, how much is it that the church in Canada just looks like the world? And by the world, I mean the Canadian world. If you think of Canadian... Go ahead, Jacob. No, I, I like I've talked to this. I've talked about this before, and I've I, I actually um, I I think there is something to be said about that. But I don't think our perception of what the Canadian world is in that regard is always accurate. Okay. So I do think that they're striving to be like the Canadian world. Yeah. In the sense of the true dopian Canadian world. Yeah. I think there's that. But that is not the Canadian world. That's not the Canadian world that I grew up in yeah. in the 80s and 90s. And that's not the Canadian world that the farmers and the people who, who you know, swing hammers all day yeah. live in. That's yeah. a different world. Yeah. Okay? Right, right. There's, there's two Canadas. There's a yeah. Canada of Justin Trudeau and there's a Canada of Don Cherry. Yeah. And so we, we, have, to, we have to remember that. So I, I agree with you. Um, that they're striving to be the Justin Trudeau Canadian, the cultural, but they're elites. forgetting about the fact they're they're forgetting about the fact that there's a whole bunch of other Canadians that do actually value honesty. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, that's a, that's a valid point, and um, maybe then we can distinguish between the cultural elites in Canada and, and and cultural elites. I'm not just talking about I'm not talking about financial status. I mean people who embody the um, you know, the elite values, uh, you know, and so they aren't the same as the average folk. And that's true of any country in, in many instances. So when I'm, I'm saying worldliness, I mean the values of cultural elites, namely a morally relativistic, um, if we think about individualistic, if we think mm-hmm. about what is truth, it's subjective, it's not objective. We think about pluralism and tolerance and all of these things um, to actually say that this is wrong, you are wrong, to offer a definitive moral judgment against someone in particular, that's almost anathematized in Canada. Like it feels, it feels almost inherently inappropriate. But if, but if we back up and we open up the Bible, I mean, that is just part of a pastor's charge. Yes. And what what I hear many Canadians often doing, as soon as you say, um, you offer that kind of clarity and boldness uh, and moral judgment, everyone's talking about discernment bloggers in their mom's basement and (laughs) kind of referencing, you know, the the swamp of, uh, you know, the Christian world, so to speak. But it's like, it's inherently wrong for a lot of Christians in their minds, for you to actually say that that is false teaching. Like, it runs against the grain. And 
Well, they have the, the they have no problem condemning the things that the world condemns. Yeah, right. yeah. So this is the this is the hypocrisy and the sanctimony. Yeah, that is there. Yeah. So yes, there's there's they're very quick to condemn. Oh, how dare you call a guy who denies penal substitutionary atonement and the inerrancy of Scripture? How dare you call him a false teacher? Yeah. They're they're quick, but. My goodness, if you open your church during a lockdown, yeah. they will condemn you. Yeah. And the most the most vicious condemnation will come from the church. Yeah. And, by the way, from uh, Mr. Whimsical himself up there in Aurelia, <laughs> Paul Carter. Yeah, yeah. So it, it just depends on what the world's... They, they, here's, they dance to the beat of what the world says they condemn, yeah. can condemn. And, and when we say the world, of course, we mean... The Laurentian consensus, right. the Trudopian um, nice guys. Yeah, but those guys are are some of the most sneering, backhanded, mm-hmm. and uh, vicious people. It just depends on what you're going to get them talking about. Yeah, passive aggressiveness. Um, so that leads me to my other question: Is do you see a connection? And I think there is between the handling of Bruxy KV or the failure to handle that in a in a manner of integrity. Um, and the handling of the COVID situation. Well, if you if you want to talk about, and I think I think TGC, I think it's I think Ontario is unique. I don't think it's from what I've heard from the brothers out west. I don't think it's I don't think it's as polarized in Alberta as it is as okay. in Ontario. Okay, yeah. from what from what I've seen, from what I've heard from others. Okay, but in Ontario, it's very very polarized. Yeah, and I think. I think a lot of that has to do with some of the very, very backhanded, undermining um, things that happened early on. Yeah. Um, with, especially with Paul Carter. Yeah. And, but when he started carrying on the way he did, and being as dishonest as he was about the COVID situation and and so on, I, it didn't surprise me. And if you talk to some of the other brothers that worked with me on this proxy stuff, it was it. It was the same Paul Carter that we knew then that we knew now. We know right. now, and it's an individual who does not speak um, with clarity. He does not speak um, consistently, mm-hmm. and um, I don't believe that he speaks with with integrity. For having watched him now for four or five years, and really, when the, it started with the Bruxy, really in my in a in a very nice, kind, whimsical way, mm-hmm. trying to work with him, I can. Show you emails, or I'm like, please, brother, don't do this, please, brother, you know. And but yeah. it's just it, it's not. No, it's I know better. You now, tut tut tut. Yeah. And and you know, it's, I'm not going to be mean like you. And he, he won't say that to my face. But yeah. it's these backhanded comments mm-hmm. in the blogs, right? One of the things, Matthew. So to answer your question, Alex. Yeah, go ahead, Alex. To answer your question, I'm not surprised, and it's there is a direct correlation because what it comes down to is a ministry that is not. Founded on the Word of God, yeah, they are confessionally right. inerrantists, but they are not. I guess the the word that some are now using is sufficientists, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, yeah, if you can uh, affirm the confession, I'm not saying Paul Carter would do this, but there's, oh, I've seen a lot of guys say, "Oh yeah, I affirm the confession," but then they're off way out on sexual issues or all this other stuff. It's like, what is it? What good is that then? I mean. Uh, or these uh, SBC guys who will affirm their their you know faith, Baptist faith and message, but still mm-hmm. be for all this 
wild and wacky stuff. I was like, what, what good is that if, uh, if it's just so unclear? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, this came up several times in the last couple of years like this, honestly, this has the, the actual position of a lot of these guys, like where they've landed as far as keeping their church open um, to me is, is secondary. And when I say secondary, I don't mean unimportant, but it's more, it's exposed, the manner in which this conversation has happened or has not happened, same with the proxy thing, to me exposed a lot of serious problems. And um, I have sympathy for men who land in the wrong places. I've landed in the wrong places. Um, at this point, it's just persistence and, and, and ignorance and frankly, defiance. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I do... I do. I'm not. I'm not standing here as someone looking down my nose at someone who takes a derp, and a different and, but a genuine interpretation of things. It's not mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Um, the manner in which this whole thing was handled was just rank hypocrisy, and that's what's come out in the silence now of the men who offered their implicit support. Like Broxy went and did a world tour essentially with Paul. He was you know the over in England doing a podcast in the UK and doing pub nights and it's like what is this a victory lap like did you guys win the world series what's this is this is not a caution and a warning even a brotherly rebuke this is just a bro hug mm-hmm. and now that that same man has come out and he's abused people in his church and he's dishonored the name of Jesus and on a massive scale to have crickets is just hypocrisy and and Jesus talks about this, Matthew 23, that you tithe the mint and dill and cumin and neglect the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. And these yeah. are the same guys who criticize tone and talk about our witness, whatever that is. And yet when someone actually um, yeah. abuses someone, they have nothing to say because there is no proportion. Well, and I think your question about does this relate to the COVID situation is is pretty apropos. I mean, what's the, what is the job of a shepherd? Yeah, is to protect the sheep. And I just think of uh, Ezekiel thirty four, especially verses uh, two through five. I'll just read five. So they, the sheep, were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. Yeah, um, my sheep were scattered. And that's if you're unwilling to protect your flock yeah. from wrong teaching, which is yeah. going to lead them astray and do them harm. Why would you protect them uh, from having to watch church on their computer and not have fellowship and be away from the communion of the saints? Like yeah. those things are wholesome and necessary for Christians, right? Well, and and that's exactly what we've seen is that there is an intentional and seemingly tireless effort to justify themselves. I mean, what these men should have said at best is, I feel, in my opinion, wrongly, but duty-bound to obey the government on these particular issues. I think that's misguided. I think that that is naive, and it is not a biblical position. But But reinterpreting Hebrews 10. Yeah, reinterpreting (laughs) Hebrews 10. But what you should have said alongside that is forsaking the assembly of the saints, the daily encouragement of the body, is going to be devastating to your soul. Every day, every day, TGC Canada should have posted an update. You know, we need to obey Caesar, but you are in peril. Your soul is in peril. Um, We need to advocate for the vulnerable in our population who are just being slaughtered by lockdowns. Where are those articles? Well, there are none of those articles, and you can't bring that up because if you do, it ruins your narrative. 
And this reminds me of the scriptures that say, you know, these guys say peace, peace when there is no peace. The first year, I don't know the exact timeline, but there is like an intentional effort, a tireless effort to deny the reality of what was going on. Mm-hmm. This isn't just a difference of opinion over Romans 13, that there is... There was no persecution. Yeah, there's no stuff. persecution. The government has no ulterior motives. I mean, I said to Aaron last week, it's a semi-Pelagianism that is a functional denial of human sinfulness in a particular class of people. It's like, when we question that the government can have perfect motives in all that they do, and the response is you're a conspiracy theorist or you're disrespectful or you're failing to honor. I mean, what that reveals in you is that you have an idolatrous view of the state. Uh, we don't we don't view the state as more sinful than us. We're just saying they as human beings are not above the fall. And and there was just there was, there was go ahead. No, there was phases to it too. It was as you ref, as I have reflected on it. I'm sure, and you have. You're talking about it, but. There was this whole phase where they had like this one sentence from Richard Baxter yeah. <laughs> that was played again and again. Yeah. Like, you know, how, how many volumes did Richard Baxter write? And yeah. how many volumes have, you know, you could have picked a sentence from any pastor. Yeah. But for some reason, this one sentence justified. Yeah. And then, and then it went into... Oh, we can't be among those who believe in conspiracy theories. And how much was, you know, how much was that? And then it's about, oh, you know, we don't want to be, we don't want our witness to be dampered. Yeah. Like it was, and the thing is, it shifted from one thing to the next to thing the next to the thing. next thing. And, and it, it was all it was, to justify, yeah. you know, it was all to justify not gathering as a church. Yeah. Right. And and here here we are. I, I really hope that these churches have reflected soberly on it. But the more pushback that I got for the position that I took, and I took, I, I came very public about my position early on, and then I finally preached a sermon on it at the end of May in 2020 and said, I'm ready to meet with or without the premier's permission. And I take a lot of, I've taken a lot of blowback for that, mm-hmm. um, especially early on. But the more blowback I got, the more convinced I was because I interacted thoughtfully with what people were saying to yeah, me, and I yeah. thought it through and I processed it. Yeah. Um, and but I don't see a lot of. I don't. I mean, and 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 what would be great if these people that came out so strongly against us on these, the church doesn't need to gather group, the government. Uh, you know, pro-government group, yeah. whatever you want to call them. What would be great is Status. if there was open dialogue. You know, yeah. Nate Wright's offered to have these guys on his podcast. Yeah, you probably have too. I, I know Joe Boots offered to talk with them. I would talk with any one of them mm-hmm. publicly, mm-hmm. openly about this. Yeah, but it's silence. It's crickets, and there's an embargo around us. And um, the reality is, is, is people are now listening to what we had to say, and I don't think they're paying as much attention to what those guys had to say no. or have to say. No, and I mean, I had private correspondence with Paul Carter as well. And um, it was public, and then he made it private, you know, because it was hitting a little too close to home. But, um, yeah, yeah, it's just, it, it just, I guess to summarize that, in my mind, it's perfectly consistent. Um, the way things were handled with proxy and the silence now and the way that things were handled over the last two years, it, it's, it's cunning, it's tampering, it's underhanded. Um, it's not open declaration of the truth. It's yeah. narrative control. It's getting ahead of the messaging and controlling it. I remember when the vaccines came out, I think Paul wrote that that there's no such thing as a religious exemption. 
It's like, what clown world do you live in? Like, issues of conscience are a religious thing. And everyone's conscience needs to be, you know, informed by this. And they need to make a decision based on their conscience and conformity to God's word. Like, there's no issue in the world that's not a religious issue. Yeah. Including medical decisions. To, to come out preemptively the day of or the night of that this was released, all that is is getting ahead of the messaging. That's yeah. PR. That's well, that's, yeah. And it is. There's a there's a lot of spin doctoring. Like for example, even their big huge thing on on theonomy. Yeah. You know, there was a big concerted effort to to rebuke theonomy because this big boogeyman of theonomy is yeah. is doing terrible things to us. Namely, it's you know some of the theonomist guys are actually making sense right now but <laughs> but i yeah, i think it was i think and we're not yeah, we wouldn't want i think it was Wyatt. <laughs> oh good me goodness me right like what a, what a horrible because thing we know happened. we know that the the reprobate doug ford and justin trudeau make way more sense than the decalogue oh but, yeah for sure but anyway so there was that Wyatt Graham is the um, oh yeah I don't know what he he does he works for the Gospel Coalition and he he wrote something on theonomy and he had no problem in his article on theonomy um, poisoning the well and calling into question um, Rush Dooney's character who he yeah. called the father of theonomy you know uh, that that's beside the point maybe I don't know enough about Rush Dooney I'm not here to defend Rush Dooney I've read his institutes I found some of it helpful mm-hmm. and you kind of chew up the meat, spit out the bones. But the the thing is, is so he's going to nitpick over Rush Dooney mm-hmm. in order to discredit theonomy. Mm-hmm. Hey, Wyatt, do you have anything to say about Bruxy Cavey, who's yeah. confessed to adultery and is now facing criminal charges for sexual assault? Yeah. And there's 38 people in his church that have now come forward with information about sexual indiscretions in mm-hmm. his congregation. Mm-hmm. And hey, Wyatt, uh, we're waiting for you because your organization defended Bruxy Cavey and put and put life back into his ministry for several years. Yeah. Yeah. Any anything Wyatt Graham? Yeah. Anything. Yeah, not straining. And and all of that again yeah. is after there were serious allegations with substantive critiques based on his teaching presented with scripture like that what that conversation with TGC was not the beginning of the conversation. That was the end of the conversation. Um and and that's well, it was an landed. attempt to discredit what Eric and I did. Yeah, right. Yeah, and Nate. That's what it, it, it was. An, it was an attempt to discredit what Eric and Nate and I had done. Well, you know? you, you were the internet guys. The, the the funny thing is, though, it's an attempt to discredit without actually naming or describing what you had to say, mm-hmm. which is just weird. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't get it. I, I mean, I guess that's just one of the marks of uh, of these false teachers and and unstable people is like a refusal to speak plainly and directly. Uh, like you said, narrative control. Yeah. Well, it's interesting with the hypocrites that, that Jesus mentioned that they love to uh, decorate the monuments of the righteous. Yeah. And one of the things hypocrites do is they, because it's all outward, um, you promote your righteousness by affinity to other righteous men. And so we do this by, you know, the preachers that we listen to. But one of the best ways you can do it in a conservative world is by aligning yourself with faithful men of the past. Here comes the Baxter quote, right? Baxter is a, a well, you know, recognized and, and solid, you know, pastor. And so he said one sentence about this 
I'm I'm aligning with him. I bet you he had something to say about Christians gathering. <laughs> yeah, probably buried somewhere in there. But the, but the point <laughs> is that this is just this is this is the same kind of thing, right? It's like no, I'm going to align myself. I'm going to put myself in affinity with um, those righteous men. But Jesus goes on to say, I'm going to send you prophets and wise men and scribes some of whom you'll kill and crucify and flog and persecute from town to town. And it's like, look, the people, I I had the thought over and over, I'm like, if Baxter showed up, you'd hate him. Like if Calvin (laughs) showed up, you would hate him. You know, if, if, if uh, John Owen showed up, but these people that you, you, you feign undying love for were to show up, you would hate them. Right, because they would call you to repentance in yeah. accordance to the scriptures, and you just don't want to do that. So that that's that to me that just seems like what's obviously going on in some quarters here, and and frankly, that's not unique to TGC Canada. That that's that's kind of rank in any conservative circle as an appeal to righteous people of the past as a justification for um, our own actions. Can I ask a question about? Uh, uh, sort of discernment for, for, you know, your average churchgoer. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to be the discernment blogger that just spends all of his time like heresy hunting. But how can we better train our, our, our discernment to, to see these, these guys, these false teachers, and just intuitively know to stay away from them? Because, uh, you know, I, I had to listen to some of the Bruxy stuff to prep for this. And the the one thing that always sets me off is when people are unable to make a clear statement on a particular topic. So I was listening to him on inerrancy and it's like, just say something, say anything. <laughs> like you're not saying anything. All you're just qualifying everything to death, you know? And I don't know. So w- what kind of advice would you have for people that are wondering, okay, how do I be on the lookout for, for false teaching? Bruxy actually, the, the stuff he said on inerrancy was, it's, there's a, I mean, Eric's researched it all, but he, he actually did say the scripture has errors, and I don't know why Paul never dealt with that, but he had the information. Mm. But as far as his discernment goes, I think there's a few things. We need to stay very close to our Lord, so we have to know him and um, be in close fellowship with him, and I think that includes time in prayer and time in the Word and wrestling through his word in our own hearts. I always want to go to the word of God and let it take me to the mat, right? I don't want to pin it down. I want to be pinned down. So I think if our hearts are pliable uh, to scripture, that's always a good thing. And um, we want to listen to what other people have to say. And I think this is something that TGC failed at, right? Um I certainly, I certainly listened to what they said. I listened to it very carefully, mm-hmm. and I, I realized very quickly that it was wanting, and that's why I, I addressed it um, mm-hmm. clearly. And um, I think we have to recognize that some people have the gift of discernment, and some don't. Mm-hmm. And and when we find people who have the gift of discernment, and that gift starts to demonstrate itself, we need to pay extra close attention uh, to what those people have to say right. and um, there's certain people that I think when they say things what they say carries more weight simply because they have a proven track record of being right on things before other people mm-hmm. that's good thank you that's helpful mm-hmm. um, 
if you were to, um, you know, moving forward as a congregation in Canada, in the landscape that we are in, um, I think the last couple of years have been revealing to us, uh, probably for in our own souls, our own deficiencies and um, sins and character flaws and theological, um, you know, blind spots. Uh, the landscape of the the church. It's been a revealing time for us. Um, it's been a revealing time thinking through Canada. I mean, like you said, there's almost two nations right now. Oh yeah. And uh, what you know, the one that that the media and the institutions and the elite are promoting doesn't bear resemblance to the nation that we grew up in. Uh, what do you see as maybe several of the the obstacles or the challenges? Um, ahead for the church in Canada, Jacob, as someone who's kind of been in the front lines of this fight, um, both of these things, like, could you look down the road, what do you anticipate is something that we need to shore up on and prepare for? Could be theologically, could be um, just cultural forces, really, really anything. I think we need to know our Lord, as I said before, and walk closely with Him. Yeah. Um, I live a life of personal holiness and devotion to Him. I, um, because I, like, as I said, I mean, the, the scriptures say, take heed lest ye fall. Yeah. And so you look at a guy like Bruxy, and the, the, the greatest gift that Bruxy is to the, to us is we can look at him and say, boy, I don't want to be like that. Yeah. In so many ways. And so I think I think there just has to be a, a, hum, a humility and a sobriety that comes over us when we reflect upon um, what he's done. Mm-hmm. And um, I, as far as practically, well, I mean that's practical, but things boots on the ground type stuff. I think we need to learn how to fight. Yeah. Because these are these are fighting times. Yeah. And I don't think they're. I don't think fighting times are going away. Mm-hmm. So I mean, the scriptures say that David was a man of war, yeah. and Solomon was a man of rest. Well, David was a man of war. It's it's not like he chose that. It's just he had a whole bunch of wars he had to fight, and Solomon mm-hmm. got to benefit off of them. So he had a time of rest. Mm-hmm. So um, that's us. Mm-hmm. We are a generation of war. So let's get used to it, and let's figure out how to fight um, the way the scriptures have taught us how to fight. Mm-hmm. Blessed be the Lord God who. You know, trains my as I say trains my hands for war, my arms for battle, and mm-hmm. so we need to be men who are ready for that. And I think in that we have to train up a new generation. And the the day is going to come where this whole thing's going to collapse. I think we all know that. Yeah, what's going on around us? You can only have um, men running around saying they're women so long before people stop believing them. Yeah, and then and then um, and I think they already. I, I think most people don't believe them anyway. They're just saying they do so they can get along. Yeah. But, um, and so we have to train a new generation. I know you've done that with the classical school that you've started, mm-hmm. and um, we've we've done that. We have we started King Alfred Academy. Uh, well, hard to believe, uh, two years ago now, I think, and and um, we have a be a K to ten school in the um, start. We'll get it all the way up to grade twelve eventually, but this year we're adding grade nine and ten. Praise God! And it's it's. It's growing. It's busting at the seams. We've had to turn away some students, and um, and because we have a classical Christian school that is uh, built on a, a robust Calvinistic worldview. Yeah, 
And I think this is the only way forward mm-hmm. is a is a hot hearted personal devotion to the Lord mm-hmm. and a sharp Calvinistic mind that yeah. knows how to bring right. everything, um, see everything through the lens of Scripture. Right. So that's uh, that's where we are. Amen. That's some that's encouraging. Um, we got to we got to go forward by faith too. Yeah. Like we have to be willing to pay a price. Like yeah. I I said when we started going into this last winter, like. Two winters ago, unless someone's willing to go to jail and someone's willing to take fines, the the open your church movement's not going to, you know, we got to be willing to take the hits. Yeah, yeah. And the reason we're here today is because people took hits before. And and as Don Cherry always used to say, you don't pick your spots. You just got to be faithful where the spots are that you put. And so if you're in the corner and the guy's running in, you got to dig in the corners. Yeah. Um, and you got to take the hit. So I think that we're the types of guys, the type of guys that we're we're not uh, we, we we're not called to be on the the finesse players. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're mm-hmm. uh, we're going to have to do, do a lot of digging in the corners, and mm-hmm. and there's going to be a lot of bodies being thrown around, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God will give us what we need. Yeah, amen. amen. I was reflecting upon um, Isaiah 30 actually a lot when I was in the hospital. And um, I did some writing on it, but one of the texts that stood out to me is Isaiah 38 to 10. And um, the Lord is rebuking his people basically for seeking refuge, uh, for denying the threat that they were facing because of their unfaithfulness. And it says, um, they are rebellious people, lying children, children unwilling to hear the instruction of the Lord, who say to the seers, do not see into the prophets, do not prophesy to us what is right, speak to us smooth words and prophesy illusions. Uh, one of the things that needs to die in us as men, as pastors, but just as men especially, is the desire for people to like us. And I think it's easy to equate um, um, loving others with their opinion of you. And that's that's ultimately a very vain and uh, uh, smug thing to do because the Son of God was crucified um, and we're certainly no more loving than Him. But it did make me think, Jacob, and as I've seen your life in ministry and, and just even had a small taste here, um, I had to, I remember the feeling of when my name was in the paper of, I had this feeling of like being in high school and finding out someone was talking about you, yeah. <laughs> like a rumor, like I, the, the, the initial, like I kind of felt sick to my stomach and I was like, oh, bummer, you know, and what are people going to think? I can't even imagine thinking that anymore um, because it happened so much. But what needed to die was my desire for people to like me and my desire to be approved by other people and rather than approved by the Lord. And where I'm going with this is perhaps one thing as men we need to get used to, if we are actually going to live by faith, if we are going to walk close to our Lord, um, if we are going to seek the good of our people and defend them and shepherd them, a lot of people just won't like us. And I think I think one of the main criticisms that came across, came against you, was you're a bad witness because people don't like you. And that strikes me as a as a inherently unchristian way of thinking. Um, and, and just your exhortation there is just reminding me again of this text. Like, if we speak, people will want to be told that they are righteous and that they are safe. 
And if you tell them that they are unrighteous and in danger, they aren't going to like that. Um, but love compels us. Love for our Savior and love for their souls compels us. And uh, I think in the days ahead, we're going to have to get a lot more comfortable um, with derision and with scorn. And you've modeled that for us. There has Jacob. to be a thanks, and you and you likewise. Um, I was so encouraged when I heard about what was uh, going on with you and your church last year, and thinking, "Oh, that's uh, you know, it's so good to know that Alex is in the fight." Um, mm-hmm. I uh, I think it's it's the it's the love of of man or the fear of man, and it's it's the love of material comfort. Yeah. Also, so I think we've been born and bred in a society where we almost feel entitled to have more than our parents had, yeah. um, more prosperity. Mm-hmm. And I, and that's come, that came because there was another generation that paid the price. Yeah. But I don't think we should have that expectation, especially right now. And I remember the biggest thing for me, I already learned what it was. I really learned what it was to be hated over that Bruxy stuff. That stuff taught me a lot because we were getting, you know, just so much, right? just so many people coming after us on our website and, and, and social media. And I, there were emails that was like, ding, 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 emails. I, you're an awful person for what you said about Bruxy, <laughs> you know, four years ago. But it was constant. But I think... Um, what I've what I had to wrestle with, I remember in late January of last year, I think I got my third fine, each being a maximum of a hundred thousand, and uh, we were charged with contempt of court, and we knew that would probably be around a hundred and hundred fifty thousand. Wow! And laying in bed at night and thinking that, um, you know, am I going to be penniless and are my children going to have a roof over their head? Yeah. And uh, what are what are we going to do if we keep taking these fines? Yeah. Well, I'm at we were. You know, I've I got way more fines now that are still before the courts, and we we did get contempt of court once again. But I I remember I had actually had to come to the point where I said in my mind, if I'm penniless, Jesus is worth it. Yeah, amen. And my children will know that I believe that. Mm-hmm. And so that, but that was a really hard place to get to. Yeah, uh, mentally and in my heart, and um, eventually I got there. But it's 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 a matter of killing our pride and killing our love of ease. Yeah. And I think we, we love both. Mm-hmm. We love our yeah. egos and we love comfort and they both, they all have to go to the cross and die. Yeah. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? And, um, That's right. It, it profits us nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, praise God brother for his grace in your life. And, um, yeah, I, I remember actually the first time we met, I don't know if you remember this, I met you at a Westminster training event for school. And I, I remember kind of, I wouldn't say taking you to task, but 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 asking you questions about the whole Bruxy thing and thinking, you know, is this, have, have you really looked into this? And you, you looked at me and you're kind of like, no, we've done a lot of research on this. <laughs> we've, 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 we've done our research and, you know, I've thought about that often in the graciousness. Uh, so he humbly smacked you down. Yeah, he, he humbly. Nice. No, he didn't smack me down. He was just <laughs> gracious. And, and, uh, hey, thanks. I do remember that conversation. I think it's, but I, I think it's normal when you have a, a, a character like Bruxy who is popular, was trusted. I mean, he was on, he, everyone wanted, you know, all these big, I, they're not big Eva in Canada. They're big Eva's dorky little brother in Canada. Yes, yeah. Yeah. But, Tag-alongs, you know, promise it, keepers. Yeah. 
but but that, that but they all wanted them around and yeah. so if some little old me you know who at that point our church was renting a facility in the middle of a cornfield yeah who am i so of course people are going to think well, who the heck's this guy and where's he get off saying this stuff i think with time it's I, i've proven that i was right yeah of course um, but I, I think it would. I think it's normal to to second guess people that challenge that type of a status quo. Yeah. Well, thank you for your patience with me, and uh, it was instructive mm-hmm. to me. I've thought about it since. I put my foot in my mouth a lot more now. So, <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks for that lesson. <laughs> I think a lot more before yeah. I talk. Do you? I it's do. Been a Sur- ride. Surprisingly, wow, I, glad I didn't know you back then. Huh? <laughs> Oh, well, do we want to do a shout out to our unofficial official sponsor? Yeah, Kawartha Classical Christian School. That's right. Tuning minds, training hearts. Or did I get it backwards? I got it backwards, didn't I? Training hearts, tuning minds. Yeah. Yeah. You almost <laughs> I, got I'm it. on the board. You think I would know what the <laughs> slogan is, but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we are uh, thankful for the ministry and the work that goes on there. If you That's are right. interested, check out KawarthaClassical.com. Um, if you have questions about tuition, reach out to us. And uh, just it's a, not as bad as you think. It's not. It's cheaper Get than daycare. Your kids out of the schools. But, Come on. But the big thing is, you even know, if what, it even if it is as bad as you think, it's still worth it. It's still it's worth still it. Worth it's, it. Like That's how I feel about education. Seek first the seek first the kingdom of God and all His righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. I remember when we first put our kids in Christian school. And we're like, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this. And we're, we were just in the, my wife and I were in the basement just on our knees begging God. And we're yeah. like, and we just came to the point. We're like, okay, this is the right thing to do. We're doing it and we're going to trust the Lord. And we've never looked back and he's given us everything we need ever since. So yeah. I think it's a, it's a matter of stepping out in obedience. So, mm-hmm. and I, I watched your video that you, uh, that you did um, for Kawartha Classical School. Oh, great. I guess Jeremy put it together and uh, Jeremy yeah. Bundy. And I thought it was really good. Well done guys. Great. Yeah. Yeah, praise God. Well, we'll have to talk more about education sometime. I feel like yeah, that's that'd be a great that show. is a big thing. But um, I hope that people listening have been encouraged. I mean, we need to be faithful to the scriptures. We need to walk closely with our Lord. We need to be confessing our sin. We need to be going to church, and uh, we need to let the chips fall where they may. Excellent. Well, thanks again for joining us. I'm going to leave us with this from John chapter ten, uh, verse. Let's see, 10 and 11. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. We'll see you next time on the Dominion Podcast. Podcast.